Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. What a topic we have for you today. We haven't broached this at all on Game Changers on any of our series, but we're going to dip our toe into that. I won't say shark-infested pool, but maybe I should. Let me read the buzz. The buzz on the street is from a writer named Drew A. Hendricks. I found him, and that was his handle. And he says, it's actually women who are creating and leading some of the most established and promising companies companies overall. Couple of key words in there, kids. How about creating? How about leading? How about companies overall? And of course, the main key word is women. So let's talk youth. I think you know where I'm going with this. Recent headlines report an increase in accusations by female entrepreneurs of sexual harassment by male VCs, venture capitalists, and other business leaders from whom they have sought funding mostly coming out of Silicon Valley. Come on, you've all seen the news. These accounts are alarming on many different levels. Perhaps of greater concern, greatest concern, is that they seem to be symptoms of widespread gender bias in the entrepreneur ecosystem. And that's a very big claim and a very big concern. Here's a reality check about what's going on. As they say, the numbers don't lie. I think these numbers say a lot. Female startup founders received $1.46 billion. Remember that 1.46 in VC funding last year, 2016, compared to $58.2 billion in funding for male-led startups. Do the math. That's 1.46 for women, 58.2 for men, and we're talking billions. So does this behavior mirror a similar trend in industries around the world that are tech-intensive? Uh-huh. Is that where most of the startups are in the tech industry? How can we achieve, can we achieve a level playing field where access to power and capital for all worthwhile startups, regardless of the gender of their founders? A lot of heavy questions. As I said, we haven't tackled this before. I have to do a shout-out to one of our panelists and our colleague, Patty Fletcher, Dr. Patty Fletcher from SAP Success Factors for She and I brought this topic together. We said, well, maybe it's about time. And Patty, of course, is a sponsor of our other series called Changing the Game with HR. So let me tell you who our three panelists are, and then we'll get started. First up, Adam Quinton founder and CEO of Lucas Point Ventures, and he'll tell us in a little while what they do. Sharon Vosmeck, the CEO at Astia, A-S-T-I-A, and there's something called Astia Angels, and we'll find out all about that from Sharon. I think you'll find very exciting what they do. And Dr. Patty Fletcher, futurist leader at SAP Success Factors. So Adam Quinton, we're pleased to welcome you. And Adam has sent us a quote from Margaret Thatcher, British stateswoman, prime minister of the UK from 1979 to 90, leader of the Conservative Party, 1975 to 1990. And she was the longest serving British Prime Minister of the 20th century, the first woman to have held the office, and a Soviet journalist, interestingly enough, called her the Iron Lady, and the nickname stuck because of her leadership style. So talking about a great quote on a topic about women creating and establishing things, here's the quote. Parenthetically, it starts out within politics, but we don't have to talk about that part. If you want anything said, ask a man. If you want anything done, Ask a woman. Adam Quinton, 
fantastic quote. How are you, Adam? I'm very good, Bonnie. Delighted to be here with you. We're delighted as well. So appropriate for you to pick that quote from Margaret Thatcher. I couldn't imagine a quote more appropriate to start off the show. So, Adam, tell me, she's not here with us anymore. She passed away uh, four years ago in 2013. Mm -hmm. What would she say about this topic today? Would she be upset? Would she be angry? Would she say, yeah, I could have told you this 50 years ago? What would she say? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not quite sure what she'd say. She was a, obviously a very strong-minded, very direct person, also somebody who, um, you know, was the mindset that the world's got a lot of problems and uh, you, you get on with it. So I think she would look at the current situation in tech and investing in tech and probably not be too surprised because obviously she had mm. her own issues um, coming up through the political system, albeit a while ago, but she saw how tough it was for women then and I guess, if anything, she might say, gee, like, it just feels like it did pick a number of decades ago, and, you know, it's a shame that things haven't moved forward. So I, I guess if she was going to say something, it might be to offer up some um, comment that, that uh, expresses not too much surprise, but certainly a bit of disappointment. Yeah, I think so. And tell me something, Adam, as far as women asking you anybody to get anything done, ask a woman. Do you agree with that? You're a guy. What do you think? Well, I, I, I chose that quote because on the one hand, depending on who you are, you might say, gee, yeah, 100% correct. Or you might like question it, think it's a little bit like flippant or simplistic. But I, I like that quote because it's actually quite subtle and quite deep in many ways. And I, I think Mrs. Thatcher was picking up on a number of themes which, um, you know, talk to the difference between male and female leadership styles. So, you know, the male leadership character, um, stereotype rather, of being, you know, assertive, aggressive, the so-called agentic leader, and the female leadership style, which is calmer, quieter, you know, collaborative. And mm -hmm. those stereotypes are pretty deep. Um, there's been a lot of research around them. And the, the interesting thing about them, which um, I'm sure she would be well aware of, is that, you know, on the one hand, those, those male leadership styles are what generally we think of as, you know, leadership generally uh, by any mm -hmm. gender. But the reality is those female gendered characteristics, those feminine gendered characteristics of collaboration, um, you know, a calmer, more embracing style, they are actually the leadership styles that you need as an entrepreneur or, for that matter, any business leader in the 21st century because, you know, the research tells us that in a global environment uh, where you've got a diverse workforce, um, you know, collaboration across business units is much more important. All of those feminine um, style characteristics are the ones that actually you need to be successful. So, as I said, on the one hand, her comment is, sort of superficial and flip, but actually it's, it's much deeper and much more sophisticated and I think is very, very, you know, current in terms of the message it gives us. Thank you very much, Adam. I was just reflecting back yesterday. One of our series on the air was game-changing smart cities of the future, and one of my panelists was Dr. Sarah Diamond. She's the president of OCAD, OCAD All in Caps University, Canada's University of the Imagination. And I, I couldn't help myself. I said, Sarah, Dr. Sarah Diamond, uh, you are among the minority of women university presidents, and it just seemed like I wanted to call that out 
because I wanted people to know, yes, she is. Yes, there is another woman who is the leader in a university environment. So thank you, Adam. Very thoughtful quote and very thoughtful expression of it. Thank you very much and welcome. And now we're going to turn to our second panelist, Sharon Vosmack, the CEO at Astia. And Adam, when I come back to you in the what's in your cup section of the show, I will ask you about what your company does. Same thing with Sharon. Sharon has sent us a wonderful quote one I haven't heard of in a while from Dr. Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou, born Marguerite Annie Johnson, interestingly enough, American poet, memoirist, civil rights activist, published seven autobiographies. I think they say, uh, Sharon, that a cat has nine lives. I think Maya had at least seven. Three books of essays, several books of poetry, credited with a list of plays, movies, TV shows, spanning 50 years. She received dozens of awards and more than 50 honorary degrees. And she was most famously known originally for her book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, telling of her life up to the age of 17. She had so many professions, I think she was more than a Renaissance woman. So here is the quote Sharon has selected from Dr. Maya Angelou. Prejudice is a burden that confuses the past, threatens the future, and renders the present inaccessible. Sharon Vosmick, such a pleasure to have you. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited about the conversation and pleased to be joining you. Thank you so much. So, Sharon, talk to me about this quote from Maya Angelou. You had so many, so many quotes like everybody else to pick, and this one covers a lot of territory on our topic. Talk to me. I think I look at most things through the lens of an economist, and economists tend to say things that people don't listen to. Poets, on the other hand, have ways of translating really meaningful uh, learnings and meaningful thinkings. And, and for me, this quote really resonated as I think about uh, the issue that we're discussing on today's call, women's participation in high-growth entrepreneurship. I can't help but feel a sense of loss for what could be. Um, you know, women are starting businesses at amazing rates, and, and we continue to see a rising participation of women in entrepreneurship, but we continue to be, struggle with ensuring that they're able to access networks, access capital, and access opportunity, and this has real implications for us, not just as an economy, my economist had on, but as we're rely, reminded by Dr. Angelo, as a society. Uh, when we don't see the full potential of the individuals in our society, there's a real consequence. And, and let's not remember, let's not forget, we're not just talking about women, we're talking about minority groups broadly within venture capital, the numbers you presented at the top of the call. It's worth mm -hmm. understanding that when we talk about the percent of venture capital that goes to women, we're not, we don't mean women only. But interestingly, when you talk about the numbers that go to men, it is men only. Those are male-only mm -hmm. teams. When we look at women-led teams, they tend to be inclusive, and they are far more inclusive of gender and race, and race is equally challenged within venture uh, funding, and one we shouldn't forget. So I just chose the quote because I thought it said far more poetically what I uh, struggle with and, and seek to address via Asia and Asia Angels. Thank you very much, and we will chat in a few minutes about what your organization does. Thank you, Sharon. Very articulate explanation. Love the quote as well. Dr. Patty Fletcher, you're up next. Patty's no stranger to Game Changers. I think she's going to be the winning the award for the most frequent guest on several of our series in 2017. No surprise. And Patty has sent us a quote from a woman I had never heard of. Shame on me. Charlotte Perkins Gilman. She was also known as Charlotte Perkins Stetson. 1860 to 1935, she was a prominent American feminist, sociologist, 
novelist, writer of short stories, poetry and nonfiction, and a lecturer for social reform. She was what's called a utopian feminist and served as a role model for future generations of feminists because of her unorthodox concepts and lifestyle. Interestingly enough, she attended seven schools for a cumulative total of four years, ending when she was 15 years old, my goodness. And at 18, she enrolled in classes at RISD, Rhode Island School of Design, with her father's help, even though he wasn't around. My goodness, she certainly achieved a lot. Uh, Here is the quote. There is no female mind. The brain is not an organ of sex. As well, speak of a female liver. Oh, my, Patty, talk about a provocative and inspirational quote. How are you, Dr. Patty Fletcher? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks. Tell me about the quote. Yeah, you know, isn't it isn't it interesting how long ago this was quoted, right? From when this was. I mean, it's it's incredible. And you know, just adding on to what Adam and, and Sharon talked about, it's never really made sense to me why a data point such as my gender <laughs> that I was born with has anything to do with why and how and and what the impact that I choose to have on the world and my ability to achieve that. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And as Sharon said, women are fully participating. I'm sure we're going to share some, some other numbers around economic impact. And if we're half the population, why should these data points around what our agenda is really make a difference? It's, it absolutely kills me. It has nothing to do with capability and ability to have economic and and innovative impact in in solving some of the world's bigger problems. Very interesting, Patty. This goes back to so many questions about how we were raised. Were we as little girls given dolls? Were boys given trains? And I have breaking news for you. My dad and I had a great set of Lionel trains. We used to go in the basement, set up the tracks, put the trains on, have two opposing sets of trains, turn off the lights, and watch them crash into each other when I was about nine years old. I used to go fishing with him. I don't know, Patty. I think we had it all wrong in my family. I'm not sure I was supposed to be doing all that stuff. I, I did have a Ginny doll, but I was playing with trains, and uh, and I learned to drive a boat at a young age, too. So I don't know. Maybe we just, maybe we had it right, Patty. Maybe it was it was right to do it the other way. Anyway, I, I digress. It's called, Bonnie, it's called the wisdom of not knowing, right? <laughs> and so imagine if we didn't know that yes. the very fact that I have a, a birth canal. I'm sorry to be so provocative on the radio. It's okay. But the very fact that I have that should prohibit my ability to leverage everything I've invested in my life and then share that with the world around me. That's ridiculous. I got gotcha. you. It, it, it is. If somebody had come out and said that 50 or 100 years ago, maybe we wouldn't be talking about this topic today. You need to take out an ad somewhere in Silicon Valley and say that, Dr. <laughs> Patty Fletcher. You're going to be a game changer. You already are. Let's circle back around the table to Adam Quinton. Adam, I have a couple questions. Number one, what part of the world are you calling from today? Number two, what just briefly, what does Lucas Point Ventures do? And number three, what's in your cup today or what's the drink that in the whole wide world makes you smile the most? Go ahead, Adam. Uh, okay, so number one, I'm calling from the uh, wonderful state of Connecticut. Two, Lucas Point Ventures is my early stage investing vehicle, so I invest in genuinely early stage companies, um, you know, the first or second funding round, 
um, needless to say, disproportionately, highly disproportionately invested in companies with female founders. So doing my best, um, small mm-hmm. that it is, to push back on the statistics that Sharon talked about. And thirdly, um, it's probably not appropriate given the time to have this in my cup right now, but I think a bit later in the day I might have, and this is very boring, so I apologize for this, um, but given my uh, sort of British heritage, uh, I might well have a gin and tonic in my cup. And uh, since you're in the business of quotes, Bonnie, I'll give you a quote about gin and tonic, which you might find amusing. Um, So this is a Churchill quote, since we're quoting British Prime Ministers today. And Churchill said, the gin and tonic has saved more Englishmen's lives and minds than all the doctors in the empire. And if you know why he said that, you get a bonus prize. Uh, <laughs> I'm not up for the bonus, but tell me, what's the answer? That's a gr- fantastic quote. Do you know when he said it, what year it was? I'm going to look it up. Um, I'm not, you'll have to look it up. I'm not sure you're ahead of me on, the, on that question. I don't know what year. But the key point is that, uh, by tradition anyway, the gin and tonic was sort of invented as a vehicle to help um, British, I guess, sort of civil servants and whatever in India in the 19th century consume quinine. And the reason that they were finding a way to drink, um, you know, a soda with quinine in was that was um, a drug. Well, it is a drug to treat malaria. Uh So hence his point about saving lives and minds, because it did save lives and minds from, uh, from malaria. And by the way, fun fact, if you go behind a bar, the soda gun at a bar has a Q on it, and the Q stands for quinine. Oh, my goodness. So we in the U.S. here pronounce it qu- quinine. Patty, help me out here. Qu- quinine, what do we pronounce it? There's a different way of pronouncing it. Thank you very much, Adam. Somebody help me out here. Um, I'm, I'm trying <laughs> Sorry, to think I of what the... I know the British version. American you do. And, and Adam, I think they must teach you guys that in school because I have heard that story <laughs> far too many times as justification. It, it just sounds wonderful. And Adam, we do have guests from all parts of the world, sometimes mm-hmm. calling in from California at 7 in the morning who talk about their alcoholic beverages. Right. And so you're, you're in good company, no problem at all. Great quote. Thank you very much. I found it. Gin and tonic has saved more Englishmen's lives and minds than all the doctors in the empire. I'm going to post that one. Thank you very much much. And now let's move on to Sharon Vosmek. Sharon, where are you calling from? We'd love to know what Ostia is, what you do, what Ostia Angels, who they are, and tell us what you love to drink. Sure. I'm calling in from San Francisco, California. I am overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge even as we speak, but it is completely covered in fog, as it would be on a August uh, summer morning. And um, I have to say it's, it's a pretty good life to be sitting here with this view because I am near enough to Silicon Valley, but not of Silicon Valley. And I like to highlight that for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Where, um, where I am with Astia and what Astia is today is um, a pretty exciting place to be. And it, it's quite uh, a game changer for entrepreneurs and, and something that investors should reflect upon as a model. Astia has been around here in Silicon Valley since 1999. We have, from our day one, focused on ensuring the success, uh, and success means access to capital, access to networks for companies that have women on the founding team. And over the years, we have evolved our model to now include investing directly in those teams. And we launched our investment activities in 2013 after 10 years of finding some of the best and brightest in the innovation economy and seeing, continuing to see, or maybe 
continuing to see the failings of venture capital to invest in these opportunities. When we were founded in 1999, approximately 2% of venture capital was being invested into women-led companies. And by women-led, I mean women on the founding team anywhere. By 2010, our 10-year anniversary, that number had moved to 2.8%. Uh, mm. So clearly the market was not moving and not catching on, even though we were seeing some amazing opportunities. And today we're a global organization, 5,000 community members strong, that work with us to ensure those founding principles that women-led companies are able to access capital and networks. And part of our conversation now includes investment ASIA Angels is a global membership network. We only have a small but mighty group. It's 50 members, men and women, who invest in the best-in-class companies that come through ASIA. Uh, We've completed just now our 66th investment. Uh, Adam Mm. is one of our founding ASIA Angels members. Patty is a member of ASIA Angels. We're really proud of the fact that our membership is half men, half women. ASIA has always believed in the model of bringing men and women together to do business. We see the fundamental hurdle to be one that's so embedded and yet so simple to address. It is that men and women today still are in very separate business networks. And so wherever you're seeing that you need a trusted and reliable network uh, to further your career, further your opportunities, or to access an opportunity, it tends to break down along the gender lines and racial lines. So at ASIA, we sought to fix the ecosystem and create an ecosystem that included both men and women doing business together, investing in each other, and ensuring the success of each other. And our model has proven uh, to be quite effective. We're currently um, investing globally. We have a beautiful investment portfolio across North America. We have some European investments, and we have a number of uh, Adam, to, to hearken to your homeland, we have a number of UK investments that we're really proud of. We have about eight of them uh, today. And, uh, and we're growing. We now have new members in Australia, in Norway, uh, Germany, the UK, North America, and we, uh, we're very much looking forward to continued growth and prosperity because we see these investment opportunities as, number one, exceptional. Uh, we find that true to all of the research, Companies that are led by inclusive teams continue to outperform uh, teams that are comprised of single gender or single race or single uh, cultural backgrounds. So our commitment to inclusion is strong. Uh, We're writing checks, and we're believing in our model and putting our money where our mouth is. My cup in the morning, you can probably hear how quickly I'm speaking, is my latte. (laughs) I have the most gorgeous latte uh, espresso machine from Italy that I, uh, it's my morning ritual. I make my espresso, I foam my milk, and I am currently sipping my morning latte. How lovely, how nice, and uh, yes, it sounds like you have a process going there, and it sounds like one that is, what do they say, it's not the destination, it's the journey. It sounds like the making of the latte is part of your joy every day. Sharon, thank you so much, and I hope you will tell a hello to the founder of Astia. It's Kate Muther, correct? Correct. Kate founded Astia after her journey at Cisco. Well, tell Kate I said hello. She and I were in the same class at Sarah Lawrence College back in the, I shouldn't say this, back in the late 1960s. I left after two years, married and moved up to the Boston, Cambridge area, but I do remember her from class, so you can tell her, Bonnie. 
the little one from Long Island at the time, the little one from Long Island, says hello and say how proud I am to say that I knew her once. Okay, I knew her then. Thank you very much, Sharon. Patty Fletcher, you know the drill. Where are you calling from? Uh, what is a futurist leader or whatever your title is today? I know it changes. It's very fluid. And Patty, what do you absolutely love to drink that powers the Dr. Patty Fletcher we all know and love? Well, I'm not. I'm not traveling, Bonnie. I know you're shocked. So <laughs> I am um, in in my home office, um, in uh, just outside of Boston. And so I'm trying to be healthier. So I am drinking kombucha. kombucha. I'm probably mispronouncing it. No, you've got um, it right. You've got it. Yeah. It. Um, yeah. I'm not enjoying it, but I. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's. Oh. Yeah, so that's what I'm having uh, first um, as I'm on the show drinking this down. I feel like I should chew it um, instead of drinking it. <laughs> that bad, huh? Yeah. No, we, we've, we've heard that. We've read about it. I have to tell you that our listener, Karen Geraldo, who is listening and loves our Game Changers show, shout out to Karen, has found a poster of Charlotte Perkins Gilman's quote, Patty, there is no female ah, mind. The brain is not you. an organ of sex. Oh, so you. if you go, yeah, go to, I'm, I'm on the dashboard here at my, um, at my uh, what you would call it, my sprinkler dashboard here on Twitter, and there's a poster with a picture of Charlotte and the quote with uh, very bold letters and big quote marks. So Karen Geraldo, shout out. And she also copied you on it, so you're going to see it at P.K. Fletcher, okay? Yes, thank you very much. Sharon enjoys our shows. Thank you. I am, uh, this is a message for Sharon Vosmick. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, Sharon. And Mm -hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have (laughs) double shows. Today is just the one coffee break. So I am relegated to water, but I enjoy my water and I have a lovely pink straw because the sun is not out here in New York right now. I don't know what it's doing up there in Boston, Patty, but I'm hoping the sun will come out today. We'd love a little more sunshine. So we are talking about a very interesting topic. I picked what I thought was a clever title for this episode, but I have to explain it. The episode is called Don't Start. Start with me, funding female-founded startups. A little bit of a tongue twister. And the don't start with me is the phrase a lot of us say when we, Patty, tell me if I'm right, you wag your finger at someone because you know they're going to challenge you or upset you or be mean to you. And you say, don't you start with me. And the pun, of course, of the double entendre, if you will, is start with me and startup. So we're talking about the challenges of it. And Sharon Vosmick just expanded the topic for us very cleverly. It's not just female-led. It could be minority-led uh, startups, especially in Silicon Valley. We know there's been some questionably questionable behavior that has made headlines recently. I think we'll get into that without getting too graphic during the roundtable part of the show. So we're having a very interesting conversation already with Adam Quinton at Lucas Point Ventures. He's also an Astia angel. And with Sharon Vosmeck, the CEO of Astia, and with Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors, who is also an Astia angel. I always wanted to know what that was, Patty. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. There's a lot more to talk about. We'll be right back. 90 seconds. You can count them along with us. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the voice america talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash voice america trn or follow along with us at voice america trn the voice america talk radio network We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Indeed, let's get back. We're here with Adam Quinton and Sharon Vosmeck and Dr. Patty Fletcher. We're talking about don't start with me, but the message underlying in the subtext is please let me be a startup and please help fund me. We're talking about funding female-founded or female-led startups. Adam is going to start the roundtable. I'm looking at his notes, and here's where we're going to start the conversation. Adam says... Too much of tech thinks it is a meritocracy, but it isn't. Much of tech, venture capital in particular, suffers from, quote, the paradox of meritocracy, unquote. This is the ironic finding that people organizations that assert they are meritocracies are typically less in practice than their peers. Adam Quinton, why don't you start with the definition of meritocracy and then tell us about the paradox, please. Well, a lot of organizations think they're meritocracies, so they think that everything um, about them when it comes to people, how they hire people, promote people, assign them to positions of whatever it is, responsibility, is done on a fair basis, on an objective basis, and they will claim that, you know, they're a meritocracy, only the best get the, get the jobs in the case of mm-hmm. DC, of course. It's, uh, well, we're a meritocracy, we only fund the best. So that is, you know, where we're starting from, and I think for the for the quote that you just called out, Bonnie, uh, venture capital in particular does think that it's a meritocracy. It thinks that it's full of really smart people investing in the best of the best. And, you know, another quote that comes to mind here is there's none so blind as those that cannot see. The point Mm -hmm. being, 
if, if you think you're wonderful, if you think you're making great choices, if you think you're surrounded by really smart people who, by the way, just happen to look like you, um, then you can't see what you can't see. You can't see that there's something sort of weird about, you know, funding women, like, only 2% of the time, you know, to use, to use uh, Sharon's statistics. And I think that's one of venture capital's problems, that it, it thinks it's wonderful, it thinks it's this, this, this meritocracy of people and of ideas, and yet staring it in the face is this reality of um, deep unfairness when it comes to funding, which it, it doesn't seem to recognize, which is sort of weird, frankly. And why do you think it's weird? Describe what you mean by weird. Is it is it odd that it would be that way? Did it always start out that? Did it start out that way? Has it veered in that direction? Is there? Uh, we're talking about symptoms. We're not yet talking mm-hmm. about cures. But what was the genesis? Did they step on something? Did they drink something? When did this happen? Or does it go back to Patty's uh, Patty's quote from Charlotte Perkins Gilman? Uh, they shouldn't have started with this company is led by a woman, mm-hmm. this company is led by a man, this company is led by a Caucasian, this company is led by an Asian. They should never have gone there. What do you think mm-hmm. is the genesis of this? Well, going back to your very first question in that, there were a bunch of questions in there, Bonnie, but going back to the first one, Sorry. you know, what is, what is weird about this? The weird thing is that, like, this is just my perspective, so you tell me if you think that this doesn't make any sense, but my perspective is if, if you think that you're investing in the best and mm-hmm. you are trying your darndest to find the most creative, innovative people out there, then, you know, if you believe that, as I think most people do, that that talent is equally distributed, then shouldn't it occur to you that it doesn't seem like quite right that the demographics of where the money goes is so, so skewed it is, it's like, you know, you couldn't make it up, it's so skewed, It, it, it it just, you know, beggars belief. So... You know, that's the weird part that, you know, here you've got genuinely smart people who are genuinely looking for the best ideas, but they seem to believe, um, based on the results of what they do, that the best ideas are embodied in a very specific uh, demographic. And surprise, surprise, the demographic of people that they tend to invest in, guess what, looks exactly like them. And that's the problem of the paradox of meritocracy, by the way, that if, if you think that you're wonderful, but you don't really actually think about like these bigger issues, what you tend to do is default to making easy decisions around the so-called likes, likes, like, likes, like paradigm. You basically think, well, I'm smart, so other people who are smart are going to sort of look like me. Other people mm. who are going to achieve success in venture, uh, in, in startup land rather, are people who look like the people who've already achieved success. So there's this sort of self-referential loop. And again, the weird part, going back to your original question, is if you were really that smart and you were really thinking that talent was equally distributed, you were looking for the best, surely you would at some point say, hang on a minute, you know, the, the end result of what we're doing doesn't really seem quite right. And maybe mm-hmm. we should think why that is. Maybe we should think what we're doing wrong or, or how we should change what we're doing. Because again, if, if, we, if we think that talent is equally distributed and we're not investing in talent on anything like an equal basis to a point that Sharon made, there's a huge sort of societal and economic loss and lost opportunity for the investors. Thank you, Adam. You know, Thanks Adam, for you are being so gracious. This is Sharon. and I, I, Go, the word Sharon, I was going to get to you so next. Go ahead, please. To be, mm-hmm. the, the, the words I use are unacceptable and ridiculous. 
And mm-hmm. I just cannot get over the statistics. You know, when I was in graduate school, I was looking at women's participation in economies globally. And what I continue to be stunned by is that women have a higher likelihood of success in almost any other sector of the economy than the innovation economy. Where else, what other sector do we see a 2% uh, participation rate by gender and, and consider it merit- meritocratic? Mm-hmm. I am, I continue, you know, I've been doing this work for 10 years, so I get to be offended. And then I put on my investor hat and I say, let's move past offense and move to what we do about it. So here, here's what I have decided to do about it. I write checks. Because my investment thesis is so counter to what Classic Venture does that I have, along with Adam and Patty and our our amazing members at Ask the Angels, we have an entire investment category to ourselves. And that means we get our pick of the litter. Any company that has a woman on the founding team has a likelihood of success of securing funding that means I am going to be a a profoundly differentiated offering. And, And that's good for me as an investor. As an economist, I hate it. As the CEO of Asia, I'm offended by it, and mm. I continue to be shocked that it exists. And, and it has become worse. I was just reading an article uh, from last month that once again dove into the data from PitchBook and from Dow Jones, and once again the numbers are down for women's participation as general partners in venture firms and for women's funding. And these are just numbers that should not be going down in this day and age. We have been half of the population. We are half of the college educated. More than half of the college educated have been for the last 30 years. We are half of the PhDs, half of the MBAs, half of the law degrees. This is ridiculous. Those are my words. I, I'm, I'm writing this down in the, in the tweet here. I want to capture it's ridiculous. And I think you also said offensive, Sharon. I want to quote you correctly, right? I do find it offensive, so if I didn't say that word, let's add it in. Okay, I thought I heard that. I'm trying to note here. Thank. Go ahead, Adam. I want to hear you, and then we want to get Patty in. Go yeah, ahead, Adam. To be clear, Bonnie, and uh, I second that motion. Okay, thank you. I, I think you we're heading for a third. I think it's going to be a, a hat trick three ways all the way around. Uh-huh. Patty Fletcher, could we have any, any new words from you besides ridiculous, offensive, weird? Patty, what do you think? How about dumb? Um, and, and I, yeah, I, I can't, I I can't, I can't not, um, just say dumb, right? So there are a few things and, and Adam and Sharon have done a really good job of bringing in the intersectionality problem here as well. It's not just women, but when we start adding in other, quite frankly, irrelevant data points like race, there's a big problem. Was it yesterday? That was, um, African-American women equal pay day. So I was doing some research for an article and saw that, the latest stats is something like 0.002% of venture funding goes to um, companies that have black female founders. Really? That's mm. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, there's a, a fellow angel, Barbara Clark, that, um, that Sharon and, and Adam introduced me to. And Adam, I think it was in a Twitter conversation with you last year. And we were talking about what, what is an investor, right? What is the ultimate goal of being an investor? And it's not really to invest, right? You're in the make money business. And this topic is one not just around in the world of, of VC and in the world of the ecosystem, but really in a broader business perspective where I think 
you're damn straight, right? It is about making money by putting your money where you think it, it will increase. And if we look at this as a philanthropic topic, which I keep seeing, um, especially out of the valley, um, it's killing me, especially with the, the response blogs that, that we've seen. It's not. You know, Sharon, to your point, you always make a point about saying, hey, I'm an economist. You're absolutely right. So not investing is a problem. The second piece that we hear over and over again is, well, I'd invest more if I could, you know, see some women. Really? So, Sharon, I think you can talk to the deal flow here, right? We see the deal flow. So now what we're seeing, because of frustration, there's only so many years we can bang our heads against a wall, where we're now starting to see people creating their own systems, where maybe if I can't play the game there and invest the way I want to, or I'm sick of making money for someone who doesn't appreciate who I am, I'm going to take my money elsewhere. I'm going to take my business elsewhere. Wouldn't that be interesting to create a a, a system like that? It's absolutely fascinating. And to Adam's point, Adam, you, I don't think you used it in this example, and I wish you did because I quote you all the time. Um, but Adam, instead of a, a meritocracy, which I can never pronounce well, um, he mm. calls it a merocracy where you're hiring or investing Mirror. in people who look like you, think like you, right? And, you know, I have to look at myself. I have to hold up a mirror to myself and say, when I look at who I invest in, whether it's my time or money, I seem to be only investing in Caucasian women. Now I need to intentionally change that. That is a a personal statement. So how do we get the people with the money and the power to start, as Adam said, questioning their own unconscious bias? There are 150 different unconscious biases that played our brain in any given time. The fact that we still have to say female entrepreneur instead of just entrepreneur tells you that that bias is alive and well. And it's not going to change if if the people with the money keep having the power to invest and be the decision makers. I work a lot with wealth companies um, who are creating practices around um, high net worth, female high net worth individuals because there's been such an increase in women with money. So imagine if they took their money and started investing in women, and we are seeing that, and maybe that's how the power shifts. But you hear the frustration from from Sharon. Once again, one of my panelists members is being far too generous. And Patty, I'm (laughs) going to just push back ever so subtly and say, we are no longer in the territory of unconscious bias. When we're talking about... I I agree, Sean. I am being polite. Yeah, I am being polite. You'd have to be under a rock. Yeah. But I, I have to say, even, but I do have unconscious bias. And that's the point. So do you, so does Adam, so does Bonnie, right? And for me to to be able to stand up and say, hey, I've been on this topic for a while, and wow, I have no investments in my portfolio that of, of women who don't look like me. That's kind of what it takes. So you're absolutely right that there is conscious, but I do think there's some unconscious bias there as well, especially mm. for the newer comers. I, I have to, this is Bonnie, I have to do a sidebar here just for a second. Uh, on my personal radio show, uh, Read My Lips Radio, I do on another channel on Monday nights, I recently met an author named Latanya White, a young woman who teaches entrepreneurship skills and setup to minority startups in the Florida area. And she created a book that is literally a step-by-step of defining the audience for your product. It was so good, I invited her to come on my TV show, excuse me, and talk. But what's interesting here in the the terms of our conversation here in our context is that she felt they were an underserved population in even getting the support to figure out how to 
take their product or their service in their dreams and their vision and to make it into a viable business. And they need support even at that level before they even get to the VC, before they even get to the door and, and knock on the door of an angel or a VC. So I was I was very proud to know her. I just wanted to throw that little note in there that, that people, she is a woman of color as well. And she said, wait a minute. We're not even giving these people the information they need just to put it together, much less get in the money, get in the money loop. So, it, 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 Adam, you want to, I want to make sure Adam gets, yeah, go ahead, Patty. Yeah, can I respond to that? Because I, I think yeah. Sharon and Adam, you know, I, I've learned this through, through both of you. So, I, I came into the, the world around entrepreneurship and the topic when it was all about your PowerPoint pitch, right? And so, there were all of these classes around the PowerPoint pitch. And I remember, Sharon, a conversation with you that was quite pivotal to me, which was, are you kidding me? Right? Because when it comes to getting funded and being able to get from idea to concept to business and grow that mm-hmm. business and get your client and get the funding you need, um, and, and we should probably take a little bit of a pause and, and have people understand what, what the kind of entrepreneurship Adam, Sharon, and I are talking about um, on this call with you, Bonnie. But when it comes to this topic about being able to be successful and do that, it's not about what you know. It's not about um, who you know. It's about who knows you, right? Really growing the who knows you component. And so to, to the point you just made, how to even get there, right? If we know that investors, Adam, I can't imagine how many you know, potential pitches come across your desk every week. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it becomes like a reasons to say no versus reasons to say yes thing. And so, you know, it's, it's so absolutely true that the people component, as Sharon said, access to cannot be underscored enough. That is what we're talking about. Not capability. <laughs> it's about that component around the people with the persons and the ability to make things happen. Absolutely. I, I have bad news for the three of you. It's actually good news. The conversation is flying so fast that we are four minutes away from our crystal ball predictions round. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm going to do. We've covered, I think we have casually covered the the nut of the conversation, the, the, the core of what we really wanted to say. Uh, we haven't gotten to solutions yet, but we're talking about weird and ridiculous and odd and offensive. And I think we've established this. Patty, I think this means we're going to have to do a part two in a couple of weeks. Or in, I have openings in October. Patty and Sharon and Adam, you want to come back and, and uh, do another dive into this topic with me? Oh, Can yeah. I send you? Yeah, I, I, I think there's no point. In, I don't want to rush this because there's no way we can finish it all. But what I'm going to do, we have three minutes till we get to the predictions round. And you can predict what we're going to talk about on the next part of the, of the topic. That's fine. But Sharon, I'm looking at your notes here. And um, let's see. Ah, let me just make a statement here from your notes and have you give me a minute on this. You say the current headlines coming from women entrepreneurs regarding male investors, horrifying, unacceptable, and excusable, are an indication or symptoms of a larger set of problems with venture capital. It is an industry that is in desperate need of disruption. Sharon, can you give me a little more detail on that, please? What kind of disruption? Sure. Sure. So venture capital is still a young industry. We should never forget that. And, you know, I would say that while it, original venture capital uh, can, go, can you can track back to the 60s, I would say as an institution and very institutionalized, it's much younger than that, maybe 30 years. And, you know, it's a perfect point to reflect upon what it got right and where it needs to adjust and, and accommodate. Um, I think what I would highlight is any industry that fails to not only attract but retain diverse talent is an industry that is ripe for disruption. This is an industry that over the years has become more white, 
more uh, of a certain school. If you're from Wharton, Harvard, or Stanford, you're probably in the venture industry. You're of a specific socioeconomic background. It is an industry that needs disruption, not just because it cannot include others, but because its lack of inclusion is actually symptomatic of other issues. There's a misalignment of terms, and I think any entrepreneur who has raised venture capital can speak to this much better than I can. The misalignment between what an investor is seeking and what an entrepreneur seeking is seeking is profound. We used to have VCs who were predominantly entrepreneurs themselves, and so they had this vision of changing the world. Today, many VCs are financial analysts, for lack of a better word. They can run the best spreadsheets, and they can tell you the best track to get the highest return, but the change the world, the bringing the innovation to market has really moved away from the industry, and it's as subsequent, and, and subsequently, it's lost its core and its, its, its northern comp- point on the compass. So, you know, what I think of when I think about venture capital is these misalignments, the misalignments between the limited partners and the general partners, so those who provide the capital and those who invest the capital. The terms of the funds, funds are 10-year in cycle, and it takes more than 10 years to grow a meaningful, lasting business. So these kind of misalignments exist in the industry. The symptoms or the way that we see them play out is that it cannot retain all of the best talent. Instead, it retains, attracts specific talent. Thank you very much. You took us right up to the cusp here. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to circle back to Adam Quinton. And Adam, I can give you a whole whopping 60 seconds. So that's really all I have for each of you. Patty, we get to you. If they go short, we'll give you 90 because we didn't get to any of your talking points. But I know you got a lot in. Adam Quinton, Lucas, let me see where you are here. You are Lucas Point Ventures. Adam, please take 60 seconds. Let's look into the crystal ball. Let's look around the year 2020 or any time between now and then. What do you think will change optimistically about what we're discussing? The lack of inclusion in venture capital, the maturity of an in, maturing of a very young industry, as Sharon put it, to recognize that talent may be away from your own mirror. What do you think will change, if anything? Adam, go ahead. Uh, well, Bonnie, I'm short-term pessimistic, but long-term, you have to be optimistic. And I think Bill Gates got it right um, in general. And certainly, uh, when we're talking about this topic, when we said, when he said, we always overestimate the change that'll occur in the next two years and underestimate the change that'll occur in the next ten. So I, I think, um, as you've heard, this industry is is almost going backwards. And in fact, it is going backwards. So hard to be optimistic in that context, but I think there's so much pressure building that in a, in a longer term context, something has to change. And there's one part of Bill Gates' quote, by the way, that people forget, that there's a sort of sentence at the end of the, the, the two-year, ten-year thing. So he, he made that comment, a lot of people heard that comment, but at the end of that quote, there's another piece that um, is important to bring in, where he said, don't let yourself be lulled into inaction. So his point was, Yes, things change slowly in the short term, but they can change a lot in the long term. But just because they're changing slowly, don't, as he put it, be lulled into inaction so that all this good stuff that Sharon's doing, other organizations, individuals, we have to keep the pressure on uh, venture, whether it's in the public domain, through private conversations. Um, And I, I do believe that in the long run, and the long run here could be quite long, we'll get to a better place. Thank you very much, Sharon Vosmick. I've got 60 seconds for you. That's it. Go ahead. Predict, please. Sure. In my world and in my lens, investment is personal. 
we're talking about early stage private companies. There, there are no public markets to help uh, what I'll call mitigate the personal. This is a very personal. It's an articulation of self as much as it is an investment. And I think that there, that's where my optimism comes from. If we accept that premise that investing at this stage has to do with an articulation of self and an articulation of your vision for the world and for how you seek to change the world, then there's great hope because we as individuals, we personally can change this. My call to action is very clear. For investors, if you look at your portfolio and it is missing a defi- an entire demographic, that's about you. That's not about that demographic. That's about your barriers to entry. My call to action is change your barriers to entry. For entrepreneurs, if you look in your landscape and your network only includes people who look like you, if your team and your founding team looks just like you, talks just like you, sounds just like you, change that. My call to action to you is similar. Make it personal and change the world via your own personal actions. And quite honestly, this isn't a venture capital problem. This is a societal issue. We need to break across those borders that keep us in our, what I'll call our walled gardens of ourselves. We need to break outside of that because all research shows and continues to validate that diverse teams outperform homogeneous teams. So my, my future is bright. And I'm quite excited to come back in October and, and to go into more depth, but I think that you, you have my thesis and, and hopefully we'll have some folks come in to us from this call, from this conversation and, and join us because we're doing the work today. Thank you very much, Sharon. So beautifully articulated. Patty Fletcher, I saved. Hey, they didn't They didn't stick to their 60, but what great comments. <laughs> Patty, I have 60 I'm for you. I'm going to watch. Um, so <laughs> I, <laughs> excuse me, Sharon. An egg timer. Um, go ahead. <laughs> She's like, whatever, I'll smash the watch. Um, so, so just adding on, and it's not fair to have me go after the two of them because they're far too eloquent and what way more I than say? I do. Oh, um, Patty. Oh, here's, Patty. Here's, but, but here's where I do see a change. One of the better things to happen, not just from the VC perspective, but also kind of what we see happening from a political perspective across the world, is that people are waking up and people who haven't been woken up before, right? And we know the research tells us that when a man has a daughter, he starts to change his mind, his viewpoint. Will she have the same opportunities as my son? I am seeing more men start to become aware and say, this isn't right. And then they start to look in the mirror and instead of, you know, looking in the mirror to see who to hire, they're looking in the mirror and doing what Sharon just said. Is it happening in droves? Well, if you read the blogs, you think it is. But, but just in talking with, with people over, over the last few weeks or been over the last few weeks, I'm seeing that it really is happening. So if we can harness that, if we have a place for these folks to go to actually do something versus just keep talking about it, because after a while we get annoyed with just talking. So I am pessimistic. It's going to be very, very slow, but at least we're seeing it. We just need to be able to get some momentum and get some organization around that momentum. Well, maybe part two in October will make you less pessimistic, Patty Fletcher. <laughs> Patty, can't thank you enough. I think we noodled on this topic together. I had a an empty spot, and you said, let's do it, and here we are. And I think the conversation was a little... Oh, thank you. I think the conversation went a little differently than people might have expected when they read the promo. Oh, no, they're going to grouse about the headlines and the bad behavior, and they're going to call people out and throw people under the bus. No, we took the high ground, and that's what we're talking about, a much broader level than who made the news for 
bad business decisions and prejudicial funding. I can use that term. So I want to do a shout out to Karen Geraldo. Thank you for the tweets and the posters. Patty, Sharon, Adam, go on Twitter, look at SAP Radio with the handle, not the hashtag, and you will see KHeraldo24. Charlie Brandt also tweeted. We had Real Calvin H also tweeting. And a couple of other people, thank you so much. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Wow, what a great conversation we had, and I will send you a date, ladies and gentlemen, for a comeback. Uh, Adam Quinton, Sharon Vosmick, Dr. Patty Fletcher, and Aaron at the Business Channel team, thanks for being our engineer extraordinaire. Here's my call to action, 30 seconds. I could beat the clock. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Be like Adam. Be like Sharon. Be like Patty. Go out and be a game changer today. That's an order. Talk to you tomorrow. Two live shows. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.